Well, good morning. It is great to be here with you this morning. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. And it's so good to be here on a warm Sunday morning, right? It's so good to feel the warmth in the air. Yesterday was glorious. Uh, I don't know about you, but it was spring cleaning day, right? All that, that sunshine meant you could see all the dust that accrued over the winter. So it was time to clean, um, which was great. Uh, Today, as as Jen mentioned in the video announcements, today we begin a new series, a new series around organic discipleship. What What does it mean to be a disciple of Christ, and how do we live into that calling that he has given us by his life? Because last week, right, last week was a great Sunday. Last week was a glorious Sunday. It was Easter Sunday, the Sunday in which we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, celebrate the, the fact that Jesus granted us new life. He died for us. He took away our sins. And by his blood, we are cleansed. And by his resurrection, we experience everlasting life. The invitation to join with him once again. We celebrated last week the good news of the gospel. So then, what do we do this week? Well, every week we celebrate the resurrection. Every week we celebrate the good news of Jesus Christ. But if we look at Easter, if we look at what does that mean, the the natural question is what is the next step? Right? Jesus has come. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. And then he ascended to heaven. But what's next? I'm sure it was a question of the disciples where we get discipleship from. And so we felt that studying what it means to be a disciple, and not as a program, but as a way of life, was a logical next step to follow after Easter. We were reminded of what Jesus Christ did for us, and now we remind ourselves what that means for our lives in each and every step. So over the next eight weeks, we'll be exploring What does it mean? What does it look like for us to continually grow in the good news of Jesus Christ? What does it look like for me to grow in my spiritual walk with Jesus Christ, to become more and more like Jesus? How do I achieve this? How do I grow in Christ? And how does that then lead to me living out the mission for which Christ has for us. Today we're going to talk about three kind of basic questions on which the organic discipleship kind of study was built upon. Three epic questions that help us to understand what is discipleship and what it does for us and why it is so important for you and for I. So, before we dive into those questions, before we dive into Scripture, I ask that you just join me in prayer. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for blessing us with the reminder that summer is around the corner, that the long, warm days of sunshine are close. We thank you for the blessings that it brings to our lives. We're reminded of that warmth as we sit here in your presence, as you surround us and wrap us in your arms, as you speak to us, 
as you fill our souls with your gentle whisper. God, may that whisper speak truth to us today. Transform us into your likeness as you have called us to be, as you have gifted us by your blood and resurrection. So speak to us by your spirit, through your word. Amen. So we're going to start really in Ephesians, right? We're going to start in Ephesians to understand what it is that we mean when we say discipleship. Because discipleship is a word that really is only used in our circles, in the Christian circles. It's a word that kind of belongs to the Christian way. Sure, you could have a disciple in the the secular world, in like the work world. You could call your your mentor or your mentee a disciple. But really, when we think of disciples, we think of the 12 disciples. So what does it mean for you and I when we talk about discipleship? And that's where we come to the first epic question that we're going to discuss today. How do I know that I'm growing as a disciple? Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians, uh, Paul in chapter 4 is talking about the unity in the body of Christ, bringing together this, this ragtag bunch of people in Ephesus into one body that is exemplified by who Christ was, all the parts of the body becoming Christ itself. And in verse 7, he says the point of bringing all these different or verse, excuse me, 12, uh, bringing all these people together, all these people from different walks of life, all these people with different gifts, the point of bringing them together, verse 12, is to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's the definition of discipleship. Growing together, building up the body of Christ until we all reach unity and the full knowledge of who Christ is. Becoming mature, attaining to the fullness of Christ. Discipleship is the natural process in which we mature in our understanding of who Christ is, our understanding of who Christ is for us, and understanding who we have been created to be in Christ. It's the process of maturing. It's the process of growing up. Right? Like I, get, I get a first-hand account of, of what maturing looks like, especially at a young stage with my own kids, five, three, and one, who got up way too early this morning. I was hoping, but, you know, in the sun all day yesterday, I'm like, they're going to sleep in today. No, it was like 5.30. Thanks. But you, you see these children slowly mature. The, the vast difference in maturity between my five-year-old and my one-year-old. 
But I get to sit, and, and because I've experienced the growth of my other two, to watch my one-year-old and be like, man, before I know it, he is going to be just like my oldest. Before I know it, in the blink of an eye, his maturity is going to blossom, and he's going to grow, and he's going to continue to grow into the person he was created to be. This is what Paul is talking about. We have been given a spirit of Jesus Christ in order to mature and continue to grow. Not into our own selves, but into Christ. That we may all reach unity in the faith. Understanding who Jesus is. Understanding the importance of what Jesus has done. Knowledge in the Son of God. And becoming mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, becoming Christ itself, attaining that spiritual maturity. That's what discipleship is. That is what this journey is about. It's becoming Christ every single day. But then the epic question, how do I know I'm growing as a disciple? How do I know that I I am maturing as I'm supposed to? How do I know that I'm, I'm growing in my knowledge of the Son of God? How do I know that this process of discipleship is happening in my life? Well, thankfully we have Scripture for that as well. Thankfully we have the words of Paul again telling us what the mature life looks like, what, what the... the the product of a life that is growing in Christ, the product of discipleship is. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's a product, a product, a fruit of the Spirit, right? There's a, there's a fruit, there's a, there's a, there's a, a product of maturing in your faith. And it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. These are the characteristics of a disciple who is maturing in Christ, not, not by, like, purposely, like, today I'm going to be love, but just naturally pouring out of them as they unite themselves more and more with Christ, these things, these products, this fruit begins to just blossom out of them. And it makes sense, right? I I think of Jesus and his own examples. Jesus used a lot of agricultural metaphors because he grew grew up in an agricultural society, but but it also because it carries this idea of just natural growth. And he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Right? Jesus has this idea, if you stay attached to me, you will continue to grow and you will bear the fruit in which you were created to bear. He's thinking here of a grapevine. If you've ever seen a grapevine, it's, it's fascinating. You have this old, huge vine, and off it, these little branches come, and off those little branches is where the grapes come. But without that huge vine that stretches for miles often, that is thick, that is sturdy, that is, that is deep into the ground to get all the nutrients, those branches cannot produce the fruit in which 
they need to produce. This is what Jesus is talking about. This is what Paul is talking about. We have to remain attached to Jesus Christ in pursuing the knowledge of the Son of God, in pursuing Jesus, in understanding who He is and what He has done for us. We naturally begin to see this fruit come pouring out of our lives. But how do we pursue Jesus then? What are the things we do in order to pursue Jesus in order that this fruit may start to blossom in our lives? Over the next seven weeks, we're going to explore some of these kind of markers of growth, these, these markers of, of things we can do to, in order to continue to grow our knowledge of God, to mature in our faith, and to mature in our relationship with Him. Seven markers of this life, a life of discipleship. If you're doing these seven things, you are going to continue to mature in Christ because these seven things bring you into relationship with Christ. They are Bible engagement, getting into the Scriptures, reading them, studying them, questioning them, understanding them, passionate prayer, wholehearted worship, humble service, joyful generosity, authentic community, and organic outreach. All of these things are about learning and loving and living in Christ. Bible engagement is learning about who Christ is. Our wholehearted worship is, is loving Jesus, loving God, loving the Holy Spirit for who they are. Uh, joyful generosity is living out the scriptures, living out the generosity that was shown to us in Christ. Authentic community is living out what God has created us to be. It's about learning and loving and living out what Christ has done. And all seven of these markers show where we are pursuing that. Pursuing the learning or the living of the loving of Christ. Now all seven of these, some you may be stronger in. Some you may be a little bit more work, may need a little bit more work. There is an, an inventory, if you take the class on Wednesday nights, which I highly suggest you do, uh, to, to show up on Wednesday at 6.30 in the music room to go through this study as we go through it in the sermon series, to go through it in a little bit deeper, you will take an inventory, an a assessment, to see which one of these seven is your strength right now. Which one have you gotten mature in? I know for me, mine was wholehearted worship. I love settings like this. I love the opportunity to gather together with my brothers and sisters in Christ and to lift my voice in worship. It energizes me. It, it pulls me closer to Christ. It reminds me who I am and, more importantly, who He is, which allows me to then go out into the world and live that God to live in that heart of worship. But one of my areas that needed work, I guess, would be passionate prayer. As someone who has a very hard time concentrating often, passionate prayer comes hard for me. 
because I'd often sit down and be like, all right, I'm going to pray for uh, the, uh, a list of prayer requests. And I'd get through two, and then my mind would be wandering. So prayer is an area that I need growth in, an area that I need to pursue in order to mature, to understand who Christ is in prayer, how prayer unites me to him, to us, and to his mission in the world. But, but here's the thing. This isn't a pick and choose, right? We don't get to pick just one of the seven and run with that one. It is all seven. In order to achieve the maturity and the fullness of Christ, as Paul talked about in Ephesians, we need all seven of these markers active and alive in our lives. The, the, the metaphor, the picture that the author of this series, Kevin Harney, which you will get to meet in a few weeks, he's coming to, to share uh, on a Sunday morning. The the, the picture he gives is a menu versus a recipe. A menu versus a recipe, right? What's the difference between those two? Well, a menu, you show up and you don't just get handed a menu and expect everything on that menu to all of a sudden show up at your table. That wouldn't work. It wouldn't be profitable for the restaurant and you couldn't eat all of it. A menu, you sit down and you pick and choose what looks satisfying to you. You pick and choose what it is that you desire in that moment. The things we like versus the things we don't that we avoid. Spiritual growth is not like that. Spiritual growth, growing as a disciple, growing and maturing in the faith is not something that you can pick and choose the things that you like and leave out the things that make you uncomfortable, the things that you don't like. Instead, it's more like a recipe. Right? If you, if you sit down and you decide, I'm going to bake a cake, and you look at the list, the recipe, the list of ingredients you need, and you're like, nah, I'm not going to include the flour. How's that going to go? It's going to fail miserably. Because every single one of those ingredients is necessary in order to achieve the best final product. Right? Every single one of those ingredients is necessary. The same goes with our spiritual growth. All seven of these markers, all seven of these practices, all seven of these gifts that God has given us are necessary in order for us to grow, to reach the full maturity of Christ. So we all need to be engaging the Bible. We all need to be praying passionately. We all need to be worshiping with all that we are. We all need to be serving humbly. We all need to be living generously with joy. We all need to be engaging each other fully, authentically. We all need to be living in outreach, seeking our brothers and sisters around us. All of those, if we desire to achieve what Paul talks about in Ephesians, the fullness of unity and faith and the fullness of the knowledge of the Son of God and the fullness of who Christ is. If we desire to live as disciples, these are the markers which we need to have in our lives. Then we move to epic question two, 
right? So, so we have this idea that we're pursuing after Christ, pursuing after him. We're, we're le- learning about him, we're loving him, and then we're living with and in him. But if it's just about me, I think we're missing something, right? Our, our faith is not one to be lived individualistic, meaning I'm only concerned about me and no one else. Because in, in reality, what Jesus has done and what Paul alludes to here is the body of Christ. Together we are growing into the unity of the faith, into the knowledge of the Son of God, and to the full maturity of Christ. Together we are doing this. Our faith is not one that is individual. Our discipleship is bigger than my relationship my relationship with Jesus. The challenge of our discipleship is not to to isolate ourselves and try to grow on our own, but the challenge of our discipleship is to grab others along with us who may be good at other areas, the seven markers, that I am not in. To learn from them. To help others grow. Discipleship is about passing on the faith, encouraging others, making sure that together we are growing in the body of Christ. It's about generational growth, about you discipling another, you being discipled by Christ for sure, but then finding someone that you can help to grow in the faith. And then they take on the, the task of discipling one other person. And then they take on the task of discipling another person. It becomes generational. Think for a moment, the people in your lives that have helped you mature in the faith. I know as I sat and thought of who, who would I consider the person who has discipled me, many names from many different generations popped up into my head. And then I could think of, for a few of them, the people that have discipled them. And you can see the generational kind of waterfall effect of discipleship. Understanding that I am being discipled by Christ, not for my own good, but for the good of the body. So I'm going to grab someone by me and help them be raised up in Christ as well. So we are learning and loving and living the Bible as people, but then we are doing it as a body, grabbing people to come along with us, to grow with us. But even then, there's a danger in that. There's a danger in understanding that discipleship is about me, but then it's also about us. So then it's us versus them. Right? We can quickly become, well, if if discipleship is about the body of Christ, then I'm only going to be concerned about the body of Christ. But then we have the next question. What is the relationship between discipleship and evangelism? Right? Discipleship and evangelism, because often we have two different pictures of discipleship and evangelism. Discipleship is something we do here. Right? Discipleship is something that is internal. Discipleship is something that is personal and and kind of for the church. It's a program we do. 
And evangelism is a completely separate program that we do. It's meant to reach out to the people who have never heard the, the word of Christ. Now, those are true, right? That's what evangelism is. Spreading the good news of Jesus Christ to all who have ears to hear. But the problem becomes when they become completely separate entities. Programs in their own right. Because in reality, the, the discipleship and evangelism are not enemies. They're not complete opposites, right? For growth, for spreading the gospel. And in fact, they're not just friends either. But they're marriage partners. They're bound together inseparably. They are deeply connected. In order to understand what we mean, we turn to Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Right? Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Following Jesus, right? Go, because I am with you. Go. I am with you to the very end of the age, so go. Go and tell the good news of who I am and what I have done. Go and be me in the world, and I will be with you. In other words, we are following Jesus as we understand who he is into the world. We are going where he is going and has gone and continues to go. And where is he going? To the lost and the broken. If we desire to grow in Jesus, that means we are going to go with Jesus. You can't have a separate I want to grow in Jesus without going with him. You understand what I'm saying? Right? If, if we are desire to grow in maturity in Christ in order to understand who he is, in order to grow in our relationship with him, we are naturally going to go with him. And he is continually moving to the lost and the broken in the world, including the lost and broken parts of who we are, but also the lost and broken of the world outside of our circles. Jesus is the good shepherd. And he's always calling out to us, but he's also calling out to the lost sheep. Discipleship and evangelism are a marriage partner. As we grow in Christ, as we attain maturity in our understanding of who he is and who he created us to be, we begin to understand that he created us to be him in the world. He created us to be his people for the world, his image bearers. And so our discipleship then quickly becomes evangelism. As we grow in Christ, we begin to live Christ's mission to save a lost and broken world. Discipleship and evangelism bound together inseparably.
Jesus has called us to be his people, to bind ourselves to him, to to bind ourselves to the true vine in order that we may bear fruit, to learn from him, to learn about him, to love him, to live with him, which means he has called us into the world, to each other, to our neighbors, to the stranger on the street. Our prayer then becomes that we become, is that we become more like Jesus. That's what discipleship is. That I become more like Him. That I would hear His invitation to grow in Him. The invitation to come learn from me. Come experience the life that I have given you. And follow me into this world. Organic discipleship. Our journey over the next seven weeks is to learn how he has called us into that invitation. To learn how we can step into that invitation. To learn how he has gifted us and equipped us to be him into this world. To follow him to live into the calling he gave us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Fully confident that everywhere we go, he is with us always to the very end of the age, growing us, maturing us into his body and his people for his kingdom. Let us pray. God, we thank you for giving us all of you, for making us your people, for inviting us into your life so that we may grow grow into maturity, understanding you, learning who you are, learning who you created us to be, learning the gospel, the good news, loving you, and then living according to you. For the invitation to walk alongside you, the invitation to grow with you, but then also the invitation to walk alongside you into the broken parts of the world so that the goodness of the kingdom of heaven may grow. God, in our journey of understanding what it means to be your disciple, we ask for wisdom. We ask for patience. We ask for your spirit to continue to mature us into the body of Christ for your glory and in your name.